It's a great goal! Ronaldo coming to life! Harry Kill! Nakamura! Brilliant from Messi! Kakar and Gerard. Pressure now on Park Ji Sung. What pressure? Tim Cahill has done it again! What a goal by Tim Cahill! Welcome everyone, this is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia from fordiegos.com. I'm Rodrigo Rodriguez, and with me today are my co-host Carlos Alberto Diego and Warren Diego. Diego's welcome to our weekly wrap of World Football. Thanks, Rodrigo, and hello to our listeners. On today's show, we'll cover all the latest on the Oceania Olympic qualifiers, Asian Champions League news, and we also give you an A-League update. And, of course, there's a hot topic of the week, Warren. Yes, and we talk about the best footballer in recent memory, Lionel Messi, breaking records all over the place, EPL football, and we share a special soft sombrero moment with Sydney FC goalkeeper Ivan Nefsetsky. So, Rodrigo, as always, it's going to be another big show. That's easy for you to say, Warren. Let's get stuck in. Let's get stuck into the show. And uh, the hot topic of the week is is interesting. Um, we don't talk... We, we do, actually. The Diego's big supporters of women's football right across the world. But uh, the W League, which is Australia's uh, national women's competition, is under a bit of threat with uh, owners. Um, Perth Glory owner Tony Sage has come out and said, basically, uh, he intends to cease funding a women's team in Perth and uh, on the back of Central Coast Mariners, basically withdrawing uh, their support for the W League. Is this the end of the W League? And, and what impact will that have on the world game, Carlos? Well, um, well, it might be the end because people are worried more about the dollars and the growth of the game. And this is, by the way, this is a side issue, but this was what you get if you have owners running the independent uh, competition of that breakaway league issue that they had. They talked about a couple of weeks ago. The fastest growing sport in Australia for women is world football. The fastest growing sport in the world for women is world football. Surely marketing uh, companies, surely agents, surely sponsors and commercial, if it's sold properly to them, given the numbers that play the game, given the potential of selling this game to more girls throughout Asia, throughout Oceania, throughout Australia, uh, this is a ridiculous thought. You really have no foresight or vision if you're going to start cutting back the only professional league, one of the only professional leagues in the world for Mm. women. The numbers are there, Carlos, and we can't dispute the fact that this number of girls play. I mean, I've experienced it myself out in the in the local area where I live, the number of girls playing. But I'm asking you a question to retort what you just said. Whose responsibility is it to promote the game to the women and to the girls? Because I agree with you. Tony Sage over in Perth, it's a growing community. 50% of the population are female. You, you're basically, at best, you know, at worst, looking at you could – increase your crowds to a normal A-League game by thousands, really. But whose job is it to promote the game in terms of getting the girls to the matches in the A-League that would support the W-League? Because I think some of the owners are saying, well, you know, we're paying up, but we're not getting the rewards otherwise. So is it the is it the clubs or is it the is it the league itself? But what it's saying is that the is the fact that clubs in their own marketplace, wearing their own shirts and their own brand, need to sell that brand. However, they can in ever which way they can, whether it's through their men's team, whether it's through their women's team, whether it's through junior youth teams, they're wearing the shirt and they're representing the club. It's the club's responsibility to really push that and try and make a dollar out of it. They can if they decide to really take it seriously. I mean, most clubs don't even run their own women's team. Uh, in Melbourne, for example, Melbourne Victory, the, the women's team's run by the local uh, state uh, uh, soccer association, the uh, Football Federation Victoria. So for me, it, uh, it is the club's responsibility. And if they took it 
in a productive sort of a way and used it properly, they could actually make good commercial sense out of this. Oh, I think it would be an absolute shame if uh, the W League uh, went, you know, basically. Because, I mean, th- the thing the thing that um, I'm not sure about the link is, 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 is there a direct link from the number of women and girls playing the game to the W League? Um, but there's terms... not. But there's not. But the thing is, that could be a that could be the almost the uh, symbol or the or the driver in every marketplace for girls to know that there's a game on. If they use the girls properly and they market them well and use them in the in the communities in the in the in you know in the marketplace, mm. you'll find that it builds awareness and it gets girls trying uh, trying to play the game. But it's, And I will say one thing from my point of view with regards to this. We seem to pay millions to marketers to come up with ads that symbolise everything that's good in the game. But you know what? In women's football right at the moment, I can't go along and watch my victory team play before the men's team at the same venue at the same time. At least in cricket, one of the things that they've actually been smart about is been promoting the women's game through having 20-20 matches played before the internationals that the men's played. And I can't even get that in women's football. I have to go out to an outer suburban ground in Melbourne, an isolated facility to watch one game, when they should be playing before the victory. It's a very good point, Warren, and a point that I think will be need to be discussed uh, over the next couple of uh, months. Thanks, boys. Don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or join the conversation on twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up, it's an Asia-Pacific Australasian wrap. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. When Icelandic pop star Björk was asked about her thoughts on football, she said, Football is a fertility festival. Eleven sperm trying to get into the egg. I feel sorry for the goalkeeper. Jeez, I love this game. This is the Four Diego's. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. It's your weekly dose of world football. Coming up, we share a special soft sombrero moment with Sydney FC goalkeeper Ivan Nasevsky. But first, uh, let's talk about the OFC Men's Olympic Qualifiers, uh, Match Day 4, they're calling it. That's the, um, the preview uh, in Talpo in New Zealand. And uh, the first game is on um, tomorrow. The 23rd of March. Oh, semi-finals. Semi-final uh, between right, Fiji yeah. and Papua New Guinea. Um, interesting stuff. It's uh, the four teams are in this. Exactly right. Uh, Fiji undefeated so far in their group. Uh, and also now Papua New Guinea did very well in their group. But uh, their group had one less team in it. So they've had a little bit of a break. Uh, should be a fantastic semi-final. And, of course, very close to home for Australian. Former Socceroo coach Frank Farina is yes, in charge of, of the PNG side, mm. Warren. Yeah, I think you're selling Papua New Guinea a bit short there, Carlos. We know that Fiji went through undefeated, but Papua New Guinea only lost 1-0 to New Zealand in the preliminary games. And you'd fancy them being able to cause an upset against against Fiji. And look, Frank Farina, he's sort of off the radar for most Australian Australians since the, the little uproar that happened at the Brisbane Raw. But um, he's doing fantastic stuff. And one thing I want to say in general is... You're impressed by the quality and the depth of the teams. We sort of have this perception when Australia was qualifying through this area that it was all one-way traffic, which sometimes it was, but you do get a sense that the depth across 
a small number of these specific nations is a lot stronger than what it was. Well, Australia moving on now has allowed them and given them hope to develop their game. And there's a chance with Fakari making the World Club Championship a few years ago, there is a chance. It might not be great because New Zealand is a powerhouse in that region, but there's a chance for them to go further. And uh, it'll get to a final, of course, New Zealand and Vanuatu playing the other semi. It'll get to a final and anyone can win that final. So this is where um, any of these Pacific Islanders can find themselves in at London 2012. And what about uh, New Zealand? They are the favourites here. So um, no team has managed to keep Vanuatu scoreless. They've, they've actually been uh, nicknamed, uh, is it the dream team? <laughs> yes, Scoring by, goals for fun, Rodrigo, yeah, Vanuatu. By, by their own team. But of course, uh, New Zealand haven't conceded one either. So yeah. it's, what do they call it? The... Uh, uh, the movable object versus the irresistible force. <laughs> Lovely. So looking forward to uh, seeing the results of the OFC Men's Olympic qualifiers in Taupo in New Zealand uh, coming up tomorrow. Let's talk about the Asian Champions League. And uh, this is really hotting up now too. A couple of games being played. Um, Adelaide United. Adelaide United <laughs> came in oh, basically at late notice really into the uh, Champions League, defeated Gamba Osaka. Um, 2-0, um, they had a known goal with Sung Yo Lee and Daniel Mullen um, also scored in that game. Some people say he scored twice, but <laughs> I think one of them was a known goal. But Adelaide United sit on top of their group now yeah. and uh, <laughs> doing extremely well. And you look at the strength of the group, Gamba Osaka, Bunyan Corps from Uzbekistan and also the Pohang Steelers. That's not, a group, that's not a group that you'd be confident of getting through and yet... You'd probably say that Adelaide are one more game away from being able to qualify through that group, Rodrigo. And when you look at the way that, um, you know, Briz Barcelona are going. <laughs> Briz Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> when, they're, when you see the way they're going, and to some degree Central Coast, although two draws I think for Central Coast is pretty manageable, they're going really well. Well, um, Adelaide United uh, basically could still finish on the bottom of the A-League. You, they can still finish on the yes, bottom. Yes, they can. And uh, they've just re-signed their coach, uh, John Cosmina, basically. Really, I think, on the back of these wonderful Asian Champions League uh, um, performances. Only one-year contract, though, there Yes, one. yeah, it's, a, it's keeping a little bit of a, a lid on it. But Brisbane it disappointed me a bit. I mean, I didn't see a, a huge amount of those games. But I would have thought, you know, first certainly the first game, they would have thought to get a win. I suppose for any Australian team... The away trips are very, very difficult. Draws are good in the yeah. away legs. So that still gives Brisbane a really good chance there. I think, uh, well, the score in that game was one all against Beijing Guan. Um, Piao Cheng scored for Beijing and Mitch Nichols uh, scored for the Raw. Now, the Raw, that, as you said, that point is impressive and important rather, but they still find themselves on the bottom of this group. Only two games um, to go. FC Tokyo still a fantastic arm on four points uh, there with Olsen Harang. So um, Brisbane, as you call them, Bris Barcelona or Brislona or yes. Bris Vegas or, yes. you know, um, Raw Salona. Um, yeah, they're a little struggling a little bit. And then the other game, Central Coast Mariners uh, drew with Nagoya Grampus 8, won all their colours. Just shows that a 36-year-old has got a fantastic uh, vertical leap, can still play the game. Uh, Patrick Svainsvik yes. has got a fantastic equalising goal against uh, Nagoya Grampus 8, who have got a chock full of uh, Japanese internationals and, of course, our very own international, the baby giraffe himself, Josh mm. Kennedy. I think it's, it is interesting. We do a lot of naval gazing at the A-League and make comparisons between us and other, other competitions. I think Graham Arnold was actually saying at this before this game that um, Japanese, the J-League teams have got a salary cap of about 25 million. No, 50 million. 50 million Australian as compared to close to 3 million for the A-League. He's already looking for excuses. That's what uh, the problem is. <laughs> no, no, but in the end, it did show you last night that I think that given the right circumstances that, you know, salary cap doesn't mean everything. 
It doesn't. As long as you can coach and you can organise your side nice and compact and uh, with the ability of uh, scoring a goal here or there, you'll be right in Asia. And if you've got players that can play. That also helps as well. All those ingredients. And the A-League, the final final round for the A-League is also on its way this weekend. Looking forward to seeing who finishes on top and seeing who makes the finals. Sydney FC just hanging there on 7th. And we'll catch up with Ivan Niseski coming up soon. Thanks, guys. Remember, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. If you want to get involved with the Diegos, that's the way to do it. As I said, coming up, it's a special soft sombrero moment with Sydney FC goalkeeper goalkeeper, Ivan Niseski. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. The day after David Beckham was sent off for kicking Diego Simeone in the 1998 World Cup against Argentina, in many people's minds contributing to England's premature exit from the tournament, the Daily Telegraph in the UK wrote, The Versace sarong, posh spice, cool Britannia, look at me, what a lad, loads of money, sex and shopping, fame school, daytime TV, overcoiffed twerp, did not of course mean any harm. I think this journo took it rather badly, don't you think? Gee, I love this game. We are the Four Diegos. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Coming up is a wrap of all things happening in the world scene. But first, the final round of the Australian A-League this weekend sees a do-or-die battle between Sydney FC and Newcastle Jets, which... uh, which is going to be fantastic. Which of these two desperate, and I mean desperate, teams will uh, make the finals? To tell us how his team's going to do it, please, a big four Diego's World Football Weekly welcome to Sydney FC goalkeeper Ivan Nasevsky. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. And not at all. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, Ivan, on Sunday, we see Sydney FC up against the Newcastle Jets. It's cutthroat. It's a derby, and you need to win. So uh, what's the plan? <laughs> oh, the plan is to, uh, like you said, to go out. It's going to be cutthroat. It's going to be uh, fast and uh, very exciting. So hopefully the fans will turn out in their numbers to support us. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get the three points. But it's going to be a very, very tough game. Ivan, it's Carlos. Uh, last time you played at Newcastle, it was at home. They beat you, almost humiliated you, five goals to two. Now, obviously, the coaching staff learnt one thing from that game. The one thing is to have you in goals, number one, because you didn't play last time. <laughs> and second thing, uh, well, you tell me what the second thing, what was the overwhelming uh, sort of a message uh, that you learned from that game and that you'll be implementing on the weekend? Um, pretty much just to um, be a lot more compact in defence. I think a lot of communication comes into it as well. So uh, we've, we've been working on that the last couple of months and uh, it's been very, very successful for us. You know, we've had some good results and now we need one more to... Um, to make that top six. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Now, Ivan, the interesting thing with Sydney FC all season, you've become the kings of coming from behind, at least sometimes to manage a draw, but sometimes not being able to make up the difference. And particularly at home, you've copped goals early that's had you on the run. And it went so far as last week as a perfect example against the Melbourne Heart. That was away from home, being able to scramble a draw. It's been a constant throughout the season. Surely it's been something that's been discussed at length amongst the players and the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, in, in the last couple of seasons, we've uh, tend to go down early and sort of teams seem, seem to kill us off. But this year, you know, the boys have stuck strong and worked really hard. And, um, 
you know, we've produced some amazing second halves this season. Um, it's uh, just the start of the game that's sort of um, frustrating us at the moment. If, if we can finish, uh, or if we can start the games like we finish our games, then I don't think we should have a problem in uh, winning this weekend and making the semis. But we, we, we're a very fit team, very mobile team, and that's why I think we get on top of uh, a lot of teams in the league um, from um, halfway onwards. So if, if we can start the game uh, very, very fast and up-tempo like we play our second half, then we shouldn't have a problem. And the perfect example of that was against Melbourne Heart at the weekend where they took a 2-0 uh, lead into half-time. And, uh, and boy, I thought we all thought the game was shot, really. But uh, with a couple of fantastic efforts by yourself, Mr. Reflex, um, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you know, again, that was a perfect example of you guys um, coming from behind but also taking a lot into the final or into the last game of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last week sort of reflects exactly, you know, what we're capable of and, you know, giving away two early goals isn't obviously ideal, but um, the strength and the character that we, we showed was, um, you know, very exciting for us in the second half to come back to 2-2 and even maybe snatch the win um, when we hit the post off Nicky Carl's shot and then Bruno got the rebound. So, um, you know, it's, like I said before, it's one of those things there where we have to start um, the game really aware and awake and you know we don't want to give any cheap goals away so we have to be chasing the game all the time so and even last week against Melbourne Heart you know there was a, a lot of things said at half time you know the boys were pumping each other up for for a big second half and we came out and got the draw which was very positive for us. Now, Ivan, uh, let's talk about you for a moment. Uh, of course, uh, the Diego's love quiet achievers, and you would be, by definition, a quiet, quiet achiever, especially the way you've gone about your senior career over the last 10 years or so. You've played at the highest level during that time, but uh, you've always had the frustration of maybe not always being the number one goalkeeper. You fought your way into that position right now at Sydney. You've had a, a good run of games, and you're playing some really good football. In the end, is, are you confident that this time you could be number one here to stay? Yeah, I hope so. That's that's what my plans are, and that's what my um, my goals are for the rest of this season and the start of next season. So it's up to me to um, impress in in the next game against Newcastle, and also to feature in the semi final. So you never know who could be watching. A new coach could be watching, you know, so to speak. So it's um, you know it, it's up to me at the end of the day to 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 show what I can do. I've, I've been in the, the A League for. I just over five years, or five years with Sydney and one year up at Newcastle. So, um, you know, I've been there. I'm 32 years old. I think I've got enough experience and I've got a level head on my shoulders. So I just want to work hard and achieve as much as I can with Sydney. And, we, you know, ultimately we want to win our semi-finals games, win our this weekend's game and, you know, go on to, to win trophies and be the, the biggest club in the league and the most successful club in the league. So... Here on World Football Weekly, we're speaking with uh, Sydney FC number one goalkeeper, <laughs> Ivan Nasevsky. Now, Ivan, uh, of course, the number two goalkeeper at the moment, uh, uh, Liam Reddy, we know him very well. He's certainly no Dalai Lama. He, uh, he, does, uh, he, he has an aggressive approach to the game. How's training with uh, you and him training together? Is it a little bit feisty or do you, is there a great understanding that you've earned your spot and uh, he steps aside for a bit and, and just waits for, you know, his next opportunity? Yeah, mate, you, you, you're exactly spot on. You know, Liam's a, a great keeper. He's got a lot of, he's, a, he's got a big fire burning inside of him at the moment. So, um, and that's only spurring him on at training to, 
to win back his spot. So um, the harder he trains, the harder I train. It's it's a, a battle royale at the moment. So you know the, the coach has always said to us, we don't have a number one and we don't have a number two. We've got two quality goalkeepers at the club, and whoever's going to perform and um, you know. Uh, get the the results at the end of the day he's going to play and at at the moment that's me so I just want to keep carrying that attitude into the game against Newcastle and staying positive and confident and you know I'm really looking forward to it it's going to be a massive game Now Ivan there's no truth to the rumour that your goalkeeping coach Zelko Kalac actually had you and Liam in a version of WWE (laughs) to actually work out who was the number one tell us um, the impact that he's had in terms of you know, he's a world-class keeper, and sometimes we undervalue his achievements and what he what he, what he he was able to do in his professional career. He's certainly a live-wire personality, an outgoing sort of thing. I think Carlos yeah. has described him here as as mad as a cut snake, actually, which <laughs> I wasn't prepared to say. Tell him the impact that he's had on both you and Liam from a point of view of um, assisting you. Yeah, no, he's been brilliant. Um, I wouldn't go as far as calling him as mad as a cat snake, uh, cut snake, but... Um, I think that shines through his personality and he's a very passionate person, especially when it comes to football. Um, that's obviously rubbed off on me and Liam at the moment and um, has since since he came to the club. You know, his um, experience that he's had um, playing in the in the Dutch leagues and also in the, in the Serie A as well has only, you know, rubbed off on us on a positive way. You know, there's different techniques that we've learned. There's stuff that we've never done before. There's stuff that, we don't want to ever do before <laughs> and you know stuff like that so um but we've we've enjoyed it immensely and uh obviously we with both of our forms during the season it's it's showed on the field you know what he's teaching us and what he's trying to instill in us as well so it's it's, it's been very positive for us him coming to the club now Ivan before we let you go you know west sydney extremely well penrith sydney yeah, fc yeah. bonnie rig etc cetera, etc cetera. Is it really the uh, fantastic opportunity for Australian football that everyone is making it out to be uh, for you know the A League to have a club there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a, I live in Penrith. I'm a I'm a West boy, but you know I'm with Sydney FC at the moment. And like you said, it's um, it's got the most uh, participants of any other code in the country. I think it is in in the Western suburbs. So um, I think that's. Uh, It'll be a very, very wise decision of getting a team out here in the next uh, season or two. And, you know, if if and when they do come into the competition, I think there's going to be a massive rivalry between us and the Western Sydney team. So it's only going to bring more people to the game. And obviously it's going to promote the, the A-League here in Australia and abroad as well. Well, you've just made yourself number one goalkeeper for Western Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've still got one more, season, one more year with Sydney FC, and I'm planned on staying there. So, yeah. Nice one. Well, well, if you, if you well want to change your, your, your agents, uh, the <laughs> Diego's have got an agency arm too there, Ivan. No worries. Just text me your number. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Well, mate, Ivan, thanks for joining us today on World Football Weekly. It's always a great pleasure to speak to goalkeepers because we know you are the stars of the team. And um, oh, you. You, you've got a you've got a big job on your hands at the weekend to beat Newcastle Jets, but uh, you know if the season's anything to judge by, Sydney FC won't give up until right to the very last minute. Thanks for your time today. No problem at all, boys. Thank you. That was a special soft sombrero moment with Sydney FC goalkeeper Ivan Nasevsky. Next up, it's an EPL football update uh, with Warren, and we'll talk about uh, Lionel Messi. So stay tuned. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. My dog was about my only friend. 
I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends. So she bought me another dog. This has been a sad coaching moment. By the four Diego's. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. It's your weekly dose of world football. Don't forget, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or join the conversation on twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the world game. Well, let's get straight into it. Lionel Messi, what a champion. He's broken the Barcelona record, um, the goal-scoring record, that is, with uh, 232 goals, which is unbelievable. Apparently, he uh, he's overtaken one of your cousins, one of your yeah, actually well, un- uh, what, uncle, un- uncle, uncle, uncle Caesar, Caesar yeah, that's Rodriguez. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be actually feeling a bit aggrieved right now. Well, that's, he, that's he rang my mum last yeah. night and uh, he was crying. <laughs> well, he his official record was 235 goals. Of course, Lionel Messi uh, this week scored his 232nd goal, mm. but apparently they went and. They forensically went through Caesar's records over the year and they withdrew three goals. Still a massive issue in my family, Carlos. Still a massive issue. <laughs> because they, they were incorrectly credited to him, Warren. Now, that's that's pretty stiff going for a, you know, a guy who's you know, playing his football in the 50s, obviously scoring goals for fun. And a guy probably making five bucks a week in those days. And now Messi, multi-millionaire at 24, done everything in the game. And now he's even taking Caesar's record. Yeah, it's like one of those um, stories, you know, pre-television, black and white. You could just <laughs> add a few more goals or a few more kicks onto your career. Just in, uh, Wasn't it Romario himself too, yes. Carlos, that um, wasn't able to count yes. in terms of the number of goals he'd scored in his professional career? Messi's the best player I've seen. No oh. doubt about it in my mind. And I haven't seen much. And we've had this debate, Carlos. But it's not it's not so and this is we get we do get engrossed in modern television. We see all the goals, we see all the games, and greatness is right in front of our faces. So we do tend to be, you know, taken up by it. But even Messi to the end in breaking the record, the quality of the goal that he scores is just astounding. And he could he might have... He's only 24. He might have yeah. five of the best goals I've ever seen in terms of the way that he scores them. It's not just the way, it's the number, it's the quality. Well, this year, 40 goals in... Uh, sorry, 48, 48 goals in mm. 40 games, and he scored eight hat-tricks in that time. <laughs> so he's only 24, like uh, Rodrigo said. Uh, but if he was to be crueled by injury, never to play again tomorrow, I still don't believe he's as good as Diego Maradona. Ooh ended up being, but it doesn't mean that Messi will never be that person. I think he will if he keeps on going the way he is. Is that the World Cup conversation? The whole World Cup conversation. He's got to win one off his own boot. Interesting stuff. So uh, we'll continue to see. But Uncle um, Caesar is not happy about this. <laughs> Just quickly, um, one interesting result, uh, especially in the uh, EPL, Warren. Uh, Manchester City, I'm um, talking about, not Liverpool. Uh, Manchester City uh, now one point behind Manchester United. Gives them hope. Gutsy win this morning. Gives them hope to win the title. They've got a tougher draw. Third last game of the season. The United, mm. the Manchester teams clash. That'll decide the title. And a fantastic win by Queen's Park Rangers just quietly. <laughs> 3-2 over your beloved Liverpool. So bad luck there to uh, Warren Diego. Thanks, guys. Uh, great show. Don't forget, uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. Join us from 4diegos.com next week for your dose of world football here on World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Until next week. Ole! Que eu quero passar 
Pois o samba está animado O que eu quero é samba Este samba